Dice, dragons, demons, and a dwarf in the Warhammer worlds. Don't miss our live show on Thursdays, but for now, you've got us on sloppy seconds with our podcast with the Grimdark Gang. It's time once again for Grimdark Live. Hey, welcome to Grimdark Live, the webcast for all things dice, dragons, demons, and a dwarf in the Warhammer worlds. I'm your host, Patrick, and as always, my co-host, Steve. What do you hear? What do you say, bud? We are talking bloodsuckers tonight, my friend. We are, man. And I got to tell you, I, I, I think there was something missing from from my life. And, and you know what? I, it's funny when something is, is, is crazy as a vampire, or the topic of a vampire can fill it. You know, I, I just, uh, you know, because really, if you think about it, we've had a pretty crazy run here with, with kind of, I would have to say lackluster vampires you know i mean and, and you and i we grew up we had bella lugosi we had the lost boys you know we had a lot of things on a, you know we, we we benefited from years of great vampires you know what i mean yeah and as a matter of fact that's going to be the focal point of uh, my conversation tonight about them and yeah. how they've influenced us. oh so, so you're, you're actually going to tie that into when we talk about oh absolutely. absolutely nice i'm tying that whole thing in tonight when we have our conversation about soul blight absolutely yeah what were those what were those vampires recently the ones that sparkled in the sun or something like that the twilight vampire that's right there were the twilight yeah i could never remember that you know and that was I gotta tell you, what, what I'm happy about is one thing, one solace you and I can take, Steve, is that, you know, being as old as we are, you know, at least our vampires suck blood back in, back in the day. <laughs> you know. Whatever are you referring to, no, never mind, don't go there. Yeah, thank you very little. Yeah, so what, what else, man? We got, uh, so you're going to be talking about the Legions, uh, or Soul Blight, really, right? And then the yeah, Legions of Blood and all that good stuff. Nice, nice, very cool. Well, we got a lot to go through tonight, buddy. We really do. We got the rumor engine that's back again, which I think is going to kind of preface at this whole topic of vampires. Uh, we got the GW warehouses are going to be reopening. Uh, we got more from Cubicle Seven. Remember them? We th- those are the ones that did that. They, they did the, the, the great map campaign back in the day. Mm-hmm. And uh, something interesting, we actually have an RTS video game for Age of Sigmar that's in the works. So we're going to be getting yeah, well, it's into about that. time. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. And you know what? I thought we'd throw a little wrench in there because I haven't heard anything. I mean, I'm telling you, I listened, Steve. I listened. I listened as hard as I could to the to the tea leaves and to the wind, and I listened to everything. I mean, you could have heard a rat piss on cotton over there in GW because they weren't bringing up anything on the General's Handbook 2020. Now, by now, like we take last year, they were asking us for our opinions, our artwork, you know, you know, sexy photographs, anything they could they could think to put inside that book to kind of you know help bolster it for the community. We haven't heard one darn thing about the general's handbook 2020 so i think that'd be a good point to kind of figure out what in the he double hockey sticks is going on with that release you know what i mean yeah um i think it's less important of a release this year uh primarily because most of the books are out that were in that book so right now it's just basically a book for new scenarios and point adjustments yeah Right. Whoop-de-doo, you know? Well, you know what? I mean, but I, I, th- I think it'd be interesting to kind of talk about, you know, what we think is going to be in the General's Handbook 2020. And heck, even if there is going to be 
a general's handbook 2020. Oh, I don't think the general the general's handbooks are going anywhere. I, I don't think they're going away. Um, I think that they're um, they're going to be diminished slightly because there's no longer um, any more anticipation for updates to army books because, like I said, most of the books are out now. Sure. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. I mean, we'll see, but yeah. So we got uh, we got a packed house today, man. We are going to be we're going to be talking about a lot of stuff, and so we we better get rolling, man. You ready? Let's go. All right, and as always, we have the question of the day and the closing thoughts towards the end of the show. Hey, you grimdark goons! Thank you all so much for listening to our grimdark live podcast. If you're new to the Grimdark Live experience or new to our podcast and like what you hear, please follow this podcast and pass us along to your friends. Let us know what you think about Grimdark Live in the show's comment sections, and let us know just how we're doing. Also, don't forget to catch us live on Thursdays, and if that isn't enough for you, check out our website at www.grimdarklive.com. That's grimdarklive.com. Anyway, thanks for listening, following, and just being awesome. But, you know, I think this is also going to feed into our main topic, Steve, as we kind of talked about on the top of the show. That Oh, it is the sole reason for our for our topic tonight. Yeah, and, you know, this sliver of a news topic, like, we, like we're saying here, folks, it is going to play into our main topic this evening, covering soul blight. Um, and, and really, I guess, as, as an undertone to that, death as a, as, as a faction in some, in some points and provisions, because obviously soul blight being part of the Legions of Nagash book at this point. But let's, let's dive into the rumor piece tonight. Um... Okay, let's let's go let's go with the obvious here. Does is that is that a vampire? It looks like a very vampire sword, long nails. That I mean, is a vampire. Yeah. Um, uh, the minute I saw that sword, and the minute I saw the um, if you look closely at the sword, you'll see the the dents and the dings and the chips on it. Yeah. So it looks like an ancient blade, and that arm that you're looking at with the long fingernails. I mean, I don't see how you could think that that is anything else. But a yeah. vampire. You know what's funny is, is in, in the back of my mind, I, I was I was actually so happy because I, I know that you're just completely cheesing over this army. You've been talking about this army for for good God since twenty early twenty nineteen that I can recall. Yeah, and, it's um, it's an army that has to happen. Uh, they are the last true faction to round out death. Right. And they're also and you know oddly enough they're also my favorite faction. Yeah. And maybe they are saving the best for last. I don't know. I, I think I think will... it does. I think it does embody kind of like the, the, the also the thing that, that you and I being a couple of guys from Chicago, we, we had the luxury of you know the Saturday Night Monster movies with Sven Gulli and and this this that whole vampire theme plays so so into that. Um, you, you know, yeah, it's something I, I'm going to talk about later. Yeah, uh, we're, uh, and we're definitely going to get into that. And I'm I'm not trying to spoil the pie. No, no, but... I understand. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely um, a portent of good things to come for yeah. vampires. I like the way you put they, that. They are a they are a faction that needs to happen because the the story of death cannot be completed until we know who these vampires are. Mm-hmm. And I and I don't mean I'm not talking about the Karsteins or Neferata. I'm talking about vampires in general. Now, granted, those characters rule vampires, 
but we really don't know a lot about their culture in this new world and how they um how they acquiesced to nagash right uh because they wouldn't yeah and i think it's important for us to understand that uh this army is going to be a shot of adrenaline to the death faction you know vampires have been reduced to kind of like a charity position in the legions of nagash book you know and they're virtually unplayed with the with the focus currently being on the ocrx and the night haunt mm-hmm. and i truly believe their release is going to be one of the biggest and most successful of the year um and i'm calling it now I, I have an official grim dark call that I'm about to make. Okay, well let's wait for let's wait for your let's wait for your t- your your topic. Can we do that? Because I think I know what you're going to say, and it's just it's too it's too sweet to let out of the bag right now. Okay, but I'm just going to say this. I, I, I think that uh, if GW gets the design right, uh, they'll be the top death faction for a very long time. Yeah, yeah. Well, like I said, I mean, uh, when I first saw this, I think I think it was overly happy for you. So I immediately started to say things in my mind like, ah, it's probably just a demon or maybe just a ghoul. And uh, I thought, nah, you know what? I, I can't, I can't even, I can't even go there because everything looks so vampiric. Is that yeah, that's the right word? I think. Um, um, yeah, that, I mean, that sword looks like a vampire sword. Yeah, and you know what's funny is is. I even was I even was saying you know well it, it, you know are we are we long overdue for new zombies well zombies wouldn't be holding that kind of a sword um so and, and and then I got my hopes up and I thought okay well cool some some new vampire knights or something like that um and and, and I hope it's vampires for two reasons one obviously you know for for you buddy because I I think you really uh this is this is going to be up there with your troll army with your trogos oh yeah this, it this will is... be it it will be my yeah, it will be my my official second army. Yeah, um, I and, and and second, I just hope it's not more smelly ghouls. Like I, I think I'm done with the whole ghoul thing. No, I think the ghouls are firmly in the camp of the flesh eater courts. What I would love to see coming out of this is, like you said, new zombies. I want to see yeah. vampire warriors on foot. But like I said, let's hold off on that. We'll talk about that later. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll definitely do that. But moving on, we got uh, we got a couple more things uh, to to go through in the news. Um, a, a real kind of um, piece of I guess I'm gonna I'm gonna call it right now and just say good news is uh, GW is moving ahead with reopening as fast as possible. It looks like their North America is going to be reopening, and, and and it it's not going to be long now from what they're saying. You know, GW. Well, it opened today. Right. For online orders. Right, but uh, what I'm talking about is their actual warehouses. I know that they're taking in orders yeah, to assess their stock, but what I'm talking about is their actual rotation and delivery. Um, yeah, because GW has opened up their website for UK and most of Europe as yes. well. With they'll probably spend this weekend reorienting themselves, getting back, you know, getting back into the swing of things. Mm-hmm. They're probably going to be working over the weekend, I'm sure, you know, to kind of get things straight because on Monday. I think they fully expect to be sending out the majority of their product or they're going to be sending out all of the things that people pre-ordered and were unnecessarily, well, necessarily, I should say, delayed because of, you know, the coronavirus. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, and you know, the thing is, is, is you know, I don't think I need to convince anybody about the statement, but with North America taking up uh, the lion's share of GW's revenue, it's probably a top priority for them. So, yeah, I would imagine that they're going to be working the weekend to try to get this you know, you yeah. know, dialed in, you know, because there's, there's people waiting for their stuff. And however, um, the stay 
in place situation in the United States, you know, is a is a patchwork of, you know, roughly 50 legal statutes that vary by state by state basis. And that could be a little bit of, you know, offer a little bit of convoluted mess when you're getting your deliveries. Um, but one thing to keep in mind is while this will make the reopening of the physical GW stores troublesome, the, the, the GW main warehouse is located in Tennessee. And all the major shipping companies are operating as usual. So I think they're gonna. I think the flow of things, at least to people's homes, um, you know, you're gonna have to, you know, explain to the wife, you know, where you spent all your money now, I guess. But uh, at least to the home, that stuff is gonna be coming in. And um, interesting point as a side point here, Tennessee has lifted their shelter-in-place guidelines. You know, they are now providing a, a page of CDC guidelines for businesses to follow. So legally, things are back on GW's side to reopen, and it looks like they may be doing exactly that, even to their retail stores, at least in that area. So that, that, that proves good, at least for some of the folks uh, here in the in the Midwest, you know. Um, but GW and independent stores uh, would be able to submit pre-orders that would be filled when it all came I'm, I'm going to say back online, but you know what I mean? When, when the deliveries and all that kind of stuff are yeah. solid. Um, I so, think that the first release, their first major release is probably going to be by mail only. And I think that's going to be the Lumineth. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And you know, this makes, honestly, Steve, this makes sense for an imminent reopening of, of North American warehouses because GW will want to first clear out the existing orders and get the hurting independent stock lists, you know, yeah. and, and, you know, basically they're, their well, bottom line they need money well they're, they're, <laughs> I mean, they're going to want to get them resupplied yeah. first you know their gw stores have have you know have support capital um then once they've taken care of you know outstanding business they can they can turn on the online store and begin to take new orders directly from customers i i think it would start to get really complicated and messy if different parts of the world were out of sync with the new products and customers would you know they would they would bellyache and scream and we don't need any more reason for gamers to bitch and complain but it, it looks like the physical orders going out this week is a real indicator that we're, we're we're coming to the end of this little convoluted mess that we're all in here you know yeah i think probably we'll start seeing a return to normal probably sometime in mid-june right i think that may is largely going to be uh mail order only they're not even opening up their stores probably until the end of May. At least they can't physically open up their physical stores um, until the end of May because of the shelter in place. Well, and, and that's and on. that's by and that's by a state by state basis. Like I said, yeah. Ten- Tennessee's open, Texas is open. You know, yeah. um, here here in here in uh, uh, Illinois, you know, not not so fortunate. Um, yeah, the bottom line is that they've got to get product out of that warehouse and start making money again. They've got to start. Um, they have basically two armies that are waiting to be released. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I and Sons would BMI, not yeah. be surprised. I would not be surprised if you saw the pre-order for the Lumineth, then you saw the release, and then on that same release weekend, you saw the pre-order for the Sons of Behemoth. Probably I would not yeah. doubt that that because they need money. They've got to get money in into their coffers. Well, yeah, they've been they've been they've been running on empty for you know for yeah. a long time, and and you yeah. know I guess the solace in, in in our little news piece here is you know all you GW customers in North America dying for your your, your plastic fix of of Warhammer you know plastic crack, 
probably won't have much longer to wait. So that, that's, the, that's, that's the main tone here on our little news piece here. But before you get too excited, remember, the individual store situation will vary widely based on where you live. Um, you know, here in Illinois, for instance, like I said, things are a little worse for the wear than, than places like Texas or Tennessee. Um, so I think what Steve said is probably very accurate here, gang, that you're probably not looking to, um, you know, roll dice or spend money in an actual physical GW store for a little bit longer yet, probably towards the end of May. Right. I mean, that's yeah, pretty I much what I think. That. I think you'll probably start seeing game stores come back to life sometime in July. Um, in mid-July, I, I think that uh, by the fall, we'll start to kind of recognize normal again. But uh, this isn't over yet. I mean, this is not over yet. We, we are, um, you know, we're still in a bad spot in, in terms of where we are with this virus. Hopefully, we'll start to see things change. Like you said, it's probably going to go state by state. Um, I don't think they're going to delay a release uh, because of one state being shut down, they're just going to basically say to that that group of people, you know, if you pre-order, it's obviously going to be coming mail order only. You know, there's not going to be a, a store that you're going to be able to go to to pick it up. Right. How that'll work? How that'll work with independent stores? I have no clue. But I am I am betting that um, you will you will start to see a slight return to normal in in July. Yeah. I think I think you're right about that. I think you're right about that. So that, that that's that's the good news. I mean, I, I know it's a little, still a little bit of a, of a of a tempered situation, folks. Just you know, hang in there and 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 keep painting those armies and getting your stuff ready and um, you know, clean up the basement for God's sakes. You're all down there, you know, for the last six weeks. Yeah, there's so. no excuse. I mean, honestly, there's no <laughs> excuse. I mean, you know, all joking aside, I mean, you've had two months to get your armies painted, guys. I mean, when when we hit those tables again. There better not be one unpainted army. That's yeah. all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Or, or we're allowed to slap you. All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there, the beatings will happen. Exactly. So, so open. Oh, oh, get ready for that. Hey, you grimdark goons! Thank you all so much for listening to our grimdark live podcast. If you're new to the Grimdark Live experience or new to our podcast and like what you hear, please follow this podcast and pass us along to your friends. Let us know what you think about Grimdark Live in the show's comment sections, and let us know just how we're doing. Also, don't forget to catch us live on Thursdays. And if that isn't enough for you, check out our website at www.grimdarklive.com. That's grimdarklive.com. Anyway, thanks for listening, following, and just being awesome. So, so next, uh, next, um, next news piece we have. So let's keep rolling with this. So something interesting that we brought up here a couple of months ago on Grimdark Live. If you really remember, if you'll remember uh, one of our past shows, we spoke about a group called Cubicle Seven. Um, they are a pen and paper RPG creator for Age of Sigmar. We had covered the development of their Soulbound map about, you know, like I said, roughly about two weeks ago. You guys can go back and check out that. Uh, that that show and it was um, the map if you recall it was the great parch and i think um you know steve you remember this conversation P- pretty pretty yeah. awesome talented group over there that are doing this well they've kicked it up a notch to kind of accompany the the, the great parch and this uh this this map um 
Cubicle 7 Entertainment made a Facebook post about Soulbound, and they've, they have finished the final steps of putting together the PDF for Warhammer Age of Sigmar Soulbound, which is going to be, which was released this morning, I mean. And the PDF, along with a pre-order for the hard copy, is now available, and the standard edition of Soulbound is also available. Now, the cool thing about what they've done here is both the Soulbound Collector's Edition and the Standard Edition will be available pre-order. Um, I'm sorry, they, they, they were they were they're available pre-order today, starting today, when um, I think as early as this morning. So you guys can head over to cubicle7.com and go ahead and pre-order this. And both editions uh, come bundled with the PDF. So whichever one you get, if you get the Collector's Edition or the Standard. Um, and they're, they're, they haven't come out, at least not that I've seen, with a delivery date. But they're, they're basically saying are, they're going to be delivered as soon as you complete your purchase. So I don't know if there's any delays with the pandemic that we're all going through. But, you know, it's funny. When, when I was interested when I first saw this group put this together with the map and, and how they were going to do this. Because, you know, like, like, like we talked about, Steve, it reminded me a lot of the old Dungeons and Dragons, you know, the old, you know, the old stuff that, that, you know, yeah. That, people want to be able to see the world that they're playing in. Right. Right. They want to see it geographically. And yeah. They want to know where mountains are. They want, I mean, because it adds to the creativity of, of a gaming group. You can design campaigns and say, Hey, well, we're going to play in this part of the parch and in, this part of the part, you know, there's troll fens or there's, you know, zombies or whatever. My, my point is, is that it, it brings the world to life. Right. And that's what D&D did when they would make their modules and when they would make their beautiful maps like a Greyhawk. And I think that's why for us, remember, remember the small glimpse in time in, in our in our Warhammer world when they had the map campaigns? And those were so much fun, but they were so they, they were really poorly supported by by the older genre, the old, the old guard over at Games Workshop, that I, I think that that a game like this, the Soulbound, it kind of taps into that, that the, the old map campaign or the old, you know, the campaigns. Remember the ones that would go five, six months. Um, things yeah. like this kind of tap into that, and I, I, I really love stuff like this. I actually might, might think about picking this up just to, just to check it out. I'm, I'm toying with the idea because, um, the effort and and what these people have put into this is. Uh, Really cool. Really cool. Well, so these are the guys that truly are the creators of this world. These are the guys that bring this world to life. And yeah, their their hard work does need to be rewarded. I'm definitely gonna pick it up. Yeah. Um because I, I, I love maps and I love and I and I could spend hours looking at the old Warhammer maps and all the little details and mountains and forests. Some people, they could care less about that. That's not their thing. They just want to play the game and that's it. Right. But I, I think that people that grew up with like Lord of the Rings and grew up with like in playing D&D and stuff, you know, we were accustomed to having maps and, and, and seeing the world come to life. So, yeah, I think it's a great product and I think it's going to sell very well. And, and I think, and again, not, not to sound like an old coot here, but, you know, our world of D&D back in the day when we were literally the Stranger Things kids, you know, back in 1984. Yeah, when, we were. Um when when there there wasn't any internet and you actually had to imagine all of this and i mean i remember sitting around drawing up a map you know that my my friends yep. and i would would have to try to you know traverse and it was um you 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 were almost the uh extreme amateur version of what of what 
cubicle seven is put together you know <laughs> with the maps and the imagination so great stuff man i'm, I'm really uh, bravo to them to everyone over at cubicle seven Absolutely. but but you can get more information on their facebook page cubicle seven entertainment or their website cubicle seven.com and you can head over there to um to purchase this and if anybody has purchased this you know leave some comments in the show notes below so that we can um we can kind of see, you know, what your thoughts are and if you've, you know, maybe you've gotten an advanced copy. I think I heard that they were kind of doing that in some some select groups. But good stuff. Well, moving on. we got our fourth and last news topic uh, to kind of go through tonight. And that's um, something pretty interesting. And I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm actually very excited about this because uh, Warhammer Age of Sigmar is working with Frontier Development to come up with their own RTS video game. Um, they signed a license, you know, both GW and Frontier Development signed licensing contract uh, affirming the development of an Age of Sigma RTS. In other words, you know, for you folks who don't know that, RTS is real-time strategy game. Um, and under the terms, Steve, it's kind of interesting here, under the terms of the license, Frontier has the exclusive rights to develop and publish a real-time strategy game worldwide on pc and console platforms together with the rights for streaming services so this thing probably will take off greater than what we've seen in the past and the, the game is planned for release this is the kind of crappy part but it tells me they're probably going to go to the nines with their development here the the game is planned for release uh in frontiers financial year ending which is may 31st 2023 so um a little makes bit, sense yeah we, so we got we got three years you know um to, to, to kind of see this, but I'd be interested to see the development to this. Um, I don't know much about the Frontier as a company, uh, but I do know that their Jurassic World Evolution is is very well noted on stream, and I think we've already had, not from Frontier, but we've had two uh, first-player shooter games, FPS games recently, in Vermintide and Deathwing. Now, didn't you say you played Vermintide? Yeah, I played Vermintide, and they came out with a Vermintide 2 um, and, and Vermintide is just your, your traditional hack and slash, you know, you run around, you hack and slash anything that, you know, you come upon. Sure. You have characters that you can play, but I think AOS players are looking for something a little bit more. And that's why this is going to be so well received. Right. Um, we're looking for armies. We want to play the armies that we currently own in a video game. I mean, I think that that would be hugely popular. I mean, look how much fun old school Warhammer players are having with uh, total war. Oh yeah. You know, and total war is not getting, uh, and it's not winding down. It's winding up. I mean, yeah. there's more people playing that game. I think it was just like we've talked about before. I think it was total war that prefaced the idea of this old world coming back. You know, oh, square sure. Bases. Oh, sure it is. I mean, there, there's still a huge fan base out there, you know, that, that's like a company that knows they've got a huge uh, uh, market for something and they don't act on it. And it's crazy. I mean, you, you right. have to act on this. And I think that for this next generation of, of players that we have here, uh, AOS is just, a, of course, the natural setting. You know, that this is right. the next step. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I like I like that they're that they're branching out. Uh, I like that they're that they're offering they just another to. avenue. Well, yeah, you know, you know, you gotta diversify, right? I mean that's that's yeah. the um but I, I like what they're doing because it, it's gonna give everyone their you know, like we've always talked about, 
chocolate or vanilla, you know, whatever, whatever your taste and whatever your aptitude of, of wants are, you know, they're, they're making sure that they can offer that. So, yeah. So, but I mean, we got three years to wait on this game and, but I think, um, already seeing, like I said, what frontier has done, um, with our game, Jurassic world evolution, which, um, uh, my, my, my daughter plays, um, on stream, uh, and then, of course, already seeing the same the same production people on GW side that are going to be working with Frontier, they've already created Vermintide and Deathwing. Um, you know, those games are, I think, enough said there. You know, along with, um, you know, uh, you know the, the the old world video game that's out now. I think I think that's just this is something else that is gonna that's gonna augment um, what what GW was already already doing very very well. Yeah, the way you increase your fan base is by, obviously, is through technology. If you want more people playing AOS, then you get people to play that that new AOS uh, real-time strategy game. They say, hey, this is a really cool world. And then somebody says, oh, well, did you know that they actually have models for it? And you can, you know, do it on, you know, play it on tabletop. Either way, right? either a player who currently plays AOS and wants to play the video game or vice versa. You're going to have people being introduced to this world. Anytime you have something that's mass media, something that is out there in, you know, in the technology realm, it's going to draw people into that, that hobby Mm -hmm. or, or that, or that product, whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. That's very true. Well, good stuff. What else, man? You got anything else for the news, or are we ready to, to go on to our appetizer topic before the main one? Uh, no, I think we're good to go. All right. A public service announcement brought to you by Frag Factory 3D Printing. Many of us have thousands of dollars in miniatures, yet we play on flat tables with books and overturned Tupperware to act as our fantasy and sci-fi landscapes. We've all drooled over the tables we see in magazines lush with beautifully created terrain from all genres. The crew at Frag Factory 3D Printing want to wipe that drool from your chin and put it firmly on your friends and fellow gamers when they see your setup. Alien landscapes, desert wastelands, futuristic cities, fantasy outposts, elven forests, demonic stronghold, and so much more. Find out what you've been missing by checking us out on Facebook at Frag Factory 3D Printing or send us an email at fragfactory3dprinting at gmail.com. Bring your own files or we will help you find what you've been searching for. Take your gaming to the next level with Frag Factory 3D Printing. We print life into your games. Tell them Grimdark Live sent you and your first hour of printing is free. Hey gang, in all seriousness, Get your terrain on the table and get it with Frag Factory 3D Printing. And remember, tell them Grimdark Live sent you and they'll give you one hour free. You can get them via email at fragfactory3dprinting at gmail.com or their Facebook page, Frag Factory 3D Printing. Frag Factory 3D Printing. Printing life into your games. Now, back to the show. Well, let's, uh, let's roll with this then. So... You know, I was I was really kind of thinking about this as kind of like a head scratcher to me, um, and that's the future of the general's handbook. Um, you know, and I was wondering, you know, will will the 2020 book come out this year in June, as in years before, or is it going to be delayed due to the corona? 
Um, I mean, it's, it's sort of a bittersweet situation, this whole Rona thing that we're going through and all, because on one hand, we have the time to paint and build new armies, but, you know, not sure if it makes sense to build and paint a new list now. Uh, because you don't know if this if this arm if this book comes out is it going to do something to negatively impact all of your your hard work. I mean, what are your thoughts initially when we talk about the state of the General's Handbook 2020 and and where yeah, it is? Yeah, I think there's always some trepidation uh, before that book comes out every year because people often say, you know, hey, I had a great army, and you know, now it's completely useless because they did something to the point. But then again. It's worked in my favor, like in the case of the trolls, they lowered the points on the trolls. So now I'm able to create the army that I always wanted to create. So it, it really does. I mean, it's really a flip of a coin, to tell you the truth. Yeah. Um, how well the book is received. I think that definitely we're going to get a new book because it's important that you have new scenarios coming out every year. Yeah. You should not have old be like not be old battle plans the, year after year yeah, after you, you, year. you need the new hotness man not the old and busted um, yeah and i think that what happens is especially you know the guys that play tournaments is that they they know they get to know a, a scenario so well that you know it almost becomes uh lazy for them right when they're playing it because they right. know it so well they don't have to think now when you know, when you freshen up the scenarios and the battle plans you know, now now you're keeping things you're keeping things moving. You're keeping things fresh, and that's what the game has to do. Yeah. Otherwise, it becomes stale. Yeah. A couple of comments that have come in on the boards. You know, uh, Randy, the nicest guy in tabletop wargaming, said that um, it, it his he he heard he's trying to find it right now for us, and and we'll if there's a link somewhere, we'll get that out there. Uh, that the book, the current general's handbook we have now was good until the end of 2020 because of obviously the the delays and yeah, and uh, we, got, we got we got. We got high trash white. We got high class white trash back with us, man. And he's he thinks that the general's handbook is is already been printed, which I do agree with that. And and we're gonna kind of sure. we're gonna kind of segue into that a little bit. But I mean, they can release it whenever they want. You know, once the once a book goes to print, who cares? They can release the book whenever they feel like it. Well, yeah. that that's true. But I think this whole pandemic has just screwed up the entire release schedule. So oh, yeah, here's here's. I mean, going let, let's take let's take on one hand what Randy said, and let's take on the other hand what High Class White Trash said. You know, do you think that they're going to scrap it for this year or leave it for next year? No, I think it's coming out this year. Uh, even if they push it back a couple months, who cares? I mean, we still have plenty of scenarios that we can play in the regular rule book and the General's Handbook. You've got those scenarios that they released online. You know, for the single player campaigns, which could easily be adopted into a you know regular game so no i don't think they're worried at all i think i think they believe that that's the last thing that people want this year that people would rather see new armies and they can put this book out at their convenience but yeah like you said it does kind of put people in a limbo because now they're waiting to see hey am i going to get killed on points or you know am i going to have to rearrange my army and like you said you know when you're painting up an army and you're putting your heart and soul into it for two months and then this book comes out and throws everything into chaos, then then it can be a problem. So, like I said, it's a flip of a coin with the general's handbook. You don't know what they're going to do. Yeah. And, and but so, so let's go back to the other side You know, what, with, with what High Class just, just, just said. Do you think this has already been printed and is just sitting yes. somewhere ready to be deleted? So, okay, yes. Yeah, so you, you think that maybe, you know, because I had heard that actually, um, I had heard that, 
before any of this happened, I, I think it was right around Christmas time. There was a there was a rumor. I don't even know it was a rumor. It was like a couple of li- was a couple of lines on a, on a on a board somewhere in a sentence where they talked about um, that the book was sent to the publisher in is, is being sent to the publisher in January. Of course, this was back in December of last year, um, and they were anticipating it being ready. And I remember thinking at that time. This is kind of strange because in in years past with the general's handbook, obviously, well, you know, when they when they came out with the general's handbook, you know, the first one for Age of Sigmar, you know, there really wasn't a lot of community um, involvement in that because it was like, here's a new game, try to figure it out. But then with the general's handbook 2018, they they really went to the well and they started talking to the community. What do they want to see in it? And of course, um, that that's kind of where I'm going with this. I wanted to pose the question to the community. You know, what do we think? the the handbook in 2020 is going to look like once they once we're all beyond this pandemic and, and once they have released the new books for Lumineth and Sons of Beamont. I mean, Steve, what do you think? And t- you know, just anticipate and speculate here a little bit. And any and anybody that's 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 on, you know, listen to the show right now. You know, throw your comments down, man. We'll discuss this. What do we think? What do we expect we're going to see with all the new army books that are coming out and and the ones that are that are yet to be out? What do you anticipate? What do you think we're going to get in a 2020? general's handbook i think we're going to get points changes for any army that was released probably prior to february i do not think you're going to see any points changes for lumineth or for the sons of behemoth i think that um you're going to see a lot of scenarios in there but there's not going to be a big section in the back for books that have not been right. done yet because yeah. they're all they've all been completed. Yeah, and you know the the I guess for me, I, so you think that we're going to get points changes and they're going to avoid the FAQ process, you know, because we we always have the summer and winter well, FAQs. Never, that. I mean, they've never been big on the FAQ in that book, to my knowledge. I thought it's always been just points changes that the FAQ they put out online. Right, but the FAQ changes points that was the big thing that, that yeah, happened I with the think FAQ. That this book is going to be primarily focused on on um new scenarios and just as a hunch i think they're going to really change things up when it comes to scenarios okay. I, I think that they have to i mean the um i mean if i have to go burn an objective one more time i'm going to rip what's left of the hair out of my head right you know it's just it's boring it, it, we want new, fresh scenarios. We want scenarios that'll be tough for one particular type of army and easy, you know, and easy for another. And then, you know, another scenario, which is just the opposite. People want it changed up a little bit, make it exciting. Right. I think they might even have siege or something like, you know, for siege in there. Right. And, and you know, I, I mean, I, I think I think the transition of how they how they went from the general's handbook 2018 to the general's handbook 2019 was was pretty great but i think i'd like to see them move away from the allegiance abilities that they that they seem to always tuck into them like yeah i don't think there's a need for darkling covens anymore i don't think there's obviously no, they're done they don't free people anymore, disciple yeah. you know fire slayers seraphon all the all the old wanderers bray herd you know you know yep. they don't they don't need those they clean that all up yeah and i i think they're i think we're definitely going to see the end of those um but yeah, I think we are going to be getting I would like to see different scenarios because you know they were doing that for a while in the White Dwarfs. You know, we were getting these these little scenarios that you could play here and there that yeah. um I thought were great. So it's I, what you have to do to keep if you want to keep your customer base 
uh, engaged in the hobby. Right. You have to change up the scenarios uh, once, once or even twice a year, because yeah. you, like I said, you know, how many times have you been to a tournament and it's the same damn scenario mm-hmm. over and over every tournament you go to? Oh, yeah. I gotta go burn these objectives. It's the same five, you know, and yeah, and, and, and there's, it, it's annoying. Yeah. And there's people, always that you know? there's always that one table set up that's on a freaking diagonal. Um, oh yeah. God, I know. And you, you know, it's you know, I, I guess I guess for me, I just I started thinking about it the other day when I was you know kind of thinking about the state of the game and where things were going, and I thought you know we haven't heard anything about the status of the General's Handbook, because I remembered in November of 2018, GW called out for the, remember the We Need You campaign, where they wanted feedback from the Warhammer Age of Sigmar community on what eventually became the very book that's currently all in our sweaty palms now. So I started thinking to myself, where's GW now? I mean, here we are, we're, we're in May, we're, we're basically looking up the skirt of June right now. And it's strange that in that spirit, where gathering feedback on match play points from around the community was and was so important to them to make sure that the game was obviously as balanced as possible and now to not hear a word from them is strange but i guess yet fitting with the current you know pandemic the current situation so um i don't know yeah, I, gaming I, is not going to get back to normal as you put it on until next year right i mean just just forget about it we're riding out the last of you know we're riding out the rest of this year we're going to see what we can see. Gaming's probably going to be, you know, dramatically different. And then, you know, maybe in 2021, we'll start to see a change again. Right. But everything depends on whether or not this damn virus is going to come back in the fall. We don't know. Well. So ev- everything is just up in the air right now. So, yeah. So hobby. Get your hobby and done. Yeah. Yeah. Get your hobby and done and, and, and stop with the excuses. But, you know, you know to, to, kind of, to kind of wind down this topic here a little bit or start to, I really hope they get the frick rid of open war. Does anybody really play open war anymore I've in a general handbook? I've never seen a game of it ever played, and I have never, since AOS 2, I have never walked into a store ever anywhere and seen a game of uh, AOS Yeah. Uh, the, the, the first, what do they call it? I don't even know what they call it because I never play it. It's called open war. And I, and, and I got to tell you, when you know, I have hated open war since yeah. since Age of Sigmar dropped. And folks, you've heard me say this a hundred times here on the show. When when AOS one when AOS one first came out, when they had this whole scenario of I put a model on the table, you put a model on the table, I go, you go, I go, you go, and we we keep putting models on the table till one of us runs out. That was a great way to find out if your opponent was an asshole. And I never understood it. You know, they, and even with the triumph table, like that, that triumph table was almost like a consolation prize with 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 a couple of you know words left out of the sentence. It just didn't really ever seem to appease the, the fact that you know you were playing somebody that had about two and a half times the amount of stuff on the table. Well, it wasn't even a game. I mean, it wasn't no. even a game. Let's let's be honest. No. I mean, you know, not to go back over old territory, but I mean, it wasn't even a, a playable game. It was that was back when they had the mindset of this is a model company, not a gaming company. Yeah, how'd that work out for you? Right. So then and, all of a sudden we see a general's handbook pop up a year later because they understood, they knew that right. their fan base had utterly rejected that right. that style of yeah. play. And you know, I, I kinda was a little suspicious that, that maybe we could be seeing the end of open play. I hope, I hope, I hope. Because if you remember, and I don't have it in front of me right now, but in, in the General's Handbook 2019, the current one that, that we all have in our sweaty palms, um, they have that portion in the open war section, which I, obviously I think it's right in the beginning of the book, but um, 
where where they started to get crafty, if you if you remember, with the oh, they, they they came up with the uh, the army generator, where you can you know you know you know pick your 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 force of your army and how you're going to build it to you know your open war terrain with all the terrain layouts, and I think they really tried to make it interesting, and it just weighted it down even more. I don't think anybody really even took to it because I think we like to know that at least at some level that um armies are somewhat Somewhere. balanced Somewhere. so i, I think balanced, points yeah. match play is really where it's at and of course you know i would have to say you know back in the day when aos first started you and i talked about this i always thought that maybe two out of ten games were an open play game let's do something fun let's use the models we want and let's just have a good time but most of the time it was it, to the tune of eight out of ten it was match play of some points level i would say now it's 10 out of 10 match play i don't think anybody at all yeah, no one plays it i, I mean, mean it, it is go ahead it, it, it is it is literally like having a gaming convention and opening up a a hall for a dead game. No one plays it. Nobody. No one plays it. I have never walked into a GW store and seen that game played, ever. No. And and you know what's funny about that? And and here's the thing, folks. I'm going to throw this out to to everybody listening. You know, if you guys play open games, open type games, and you like open type games, knock your socks off. Have fun. Explain it to me though. I, I, please, because I'm really, I'm really trying to understand this, you know, um, but, you know, and, and there are some things about what I, that, that I like though, however, to get off the, the, the negative Nancy topic there, but to some things that I did like about the, the, the current general's handbook, I like the hidden agendas. I'd like to see the hidden agendas, maybe put a little bit more into the actual scenarios. Like maybe, um, Oh, that part I love. Yeah, that, that mechanic I love. Yeah, I, I like the fact that, that they came out with those cards, and yep. um, I thought fun. that that was I thought that was a great idea. So I think that, that I think there are some things that I'd like to see, uh, maybe expand but the hidden agendas. Just use those in match play. I mean, we we've used those in match play games. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, uh, why do I, why do I need to play open war when I could just use them in a match play game? Right. And you know, I really, really, when they first came out, I loved the idea of the mercenary companies they had in the General's Handbook. But I, I'm a yep. little hot and cold on that now. Like, I don't know where it stands because now it's like the Sons of Beaumont. You know, they can be taken in any in any army. So, what happens to the Grug Brothers? Do we still have that? Is that still something that's going to be? happening as a mercenary company i mean yeah i think those are things that they just put out to placate people or to maybe you know pique your interest for a little while and then they know that most people are going to probably forget about things like that because they're going to be satisfied to play with the mega gargans now well true true um but i just but i would like to see more of the mercenary type thing you know i was a fan of dogs of war back in the day you know i i really like that and i i would love to Oh God! Um, Almost everybody played them back in sixth edition. I would love it. I would. I would love. You know. And of course, you know that was a little bit before my time. But I remember I got a chance to. To we we were all at the the old bunker, and we decided that we were going to do a like a dogs to war thing. And um, I had two of those really old metal giants. <laughs> oh yeah, the Albion giants. Yeah. yeah, and I and I put them into my high elf army at the time, and just had a rip. It was so much fun. I, I think it was so much fun because it was kind of a void of how the game was played in, in of course, seventh and, and later eighth edition. But um, at any rate, I, I, I like the mercenary company. So I do hope that stays. Um, what about, you know what, you know, it'd be nice to see them do. Maybe they replaced some of the, um, you know, the, the allegiance abilities like they have, you know, they, they got to get rid of the dispossessed and the free people and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, if they put like maybe a, like a, like a, like a halflings army, 
in the back of the the general's handbook. Well, we don't know. They may be coming out with a halfling army, you know, as as a new army. I can tell you if they do, it'll be one of the most popular order armies that you've ever seen. You know what? It would be the army of the short pants. I, I would absolutely be playing be, that. It, it, people love hobbits. Oh. They'll play them just for the and they'll have a blast doing it because they're going to know because they they would have the hot pots. You know, the hot like, pot uh, catapult, you know, like the yeah. Catapults. Oh, they'd have archers. They'd have the guys walking on stilts. I mean, it would be hilarious. Yeah, I would. Uh, and you know, we, they they need the chicken riders back. Or was it the goose with chickens or, or geese? I don't remember which uh, one it was. Oh God, I don't remember. But uh, do they had chickens as a swarm? That's what it was. Yeah, chickens that's what were it was. A swarm. Yeah, they were led into battle by an old matron. Yeah. And what she would do <laughs> is when they got close enough to you, they had rules for a halfling army back on yeah. in this. Um, it was a white dwarf Sundell journal. Oh, okay, that's what it was. Old, yeah, yeah this old magazine that came out years ago and they actually had rules where she could uh, excite the chickens and they would go into a frenzy and attack you. That's right. Oh, That's it was right. hilarious. I remember and, and I, people played them. I remember one at the bunker, a guy that came in, he had a, he had a metal. It was an all metal halflings army, but his old lady that excited the chickens was like a little Muppet miniature of Gonzo. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're gonna it would be it would be one of the it would be one of the most popular armies in in order if if they came out with a halfling army that's how pop i mean it would be hugely popular right yeah so we'll we'll see i mean that's that's our speculation on what we think we're going to be getting and what we'd like to see ousted from the the new general's handbook and whenever it's going to happen and you know i guess i guess if they just extended 2019's General's handbook through the end of 2020 and just maybe started fresh. Nobody the, would care. Yeah. I, you know what? I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Yeah, no I wouldn't. Came in now anyways. I yeah, mean, really. I wouldn't care. I, I really wouldn't. Um, I, and I think maybe it would be a good opportunity for them to maybe take a little more time. You know, but you know, if the thing, if, if what high class is saying is accurate and it's already been out to the printer, then then you know you've already spent the money in the ink, so roll it out. I mean, it can't be any worse than the Ogre Maw Tribe's book. That's oh, for sure. No, you didn't. Hey gang, I wanted to take a break in today's show to introduce one of our sponsors and a great store for all of your hobby needs. That's GameStorm Gaming in Lamont, Illinois. Open seven days a week, 12 to 12. GameStorm Gaming has got you covered for all of your hobby and gaming needs. They got Magic the Gathering, War Machine, X-Wing, Game of Thrones, Force of Will card game, PC gaming and repair, Warhammer 40K, and Age of Sigmar, and a ton more. Grab paints, brushes, cases, dice and a lot more at GameStorm Gaming in Lamont, Illinois. Stop in and see John and the gang there at GameStorm Gaming located at 1243 State Street, Lamont, Illinois or check them out on their website at GameStormGaming.com. Again, that's www.GameStormGaming.com. They also stay open past midnight for special cases and events. So get over there and get your nerd on with GameStorm Gaming. 1243 State Street, Lamont, Illinois. 630-243-9330. Again, that's GameStorm Gaming, 1243 State Street, Lamont, Illinois. GameStorm Gaming is a proud sponsor of Grimdark Live. We hope to see you there. So, all right, well, Steve, are, are you ready? 
you're asking me if I'm ready to talk about vampires. I mean, I know that this is this is kind of a uh, a moving, you know, very moving and emotional piece for you here. So I just want to make sure that you're okay. But I, I but well, I, I do kind of want to tee it up here a little bit. Yeah, good. So so. And, and, and folks, I want you to, you know, this is this is a human interest story I'm about to tell here. And it's about vampires, so it's very fitting. So, three vampires walk into a bar to get a couple of oh, drinks. No. Well, this, no, this is a human interest story. You don't even have to get so gruff, but, you know, you know, so three vampires walk into a bar to get a couple of drinks. The bartender looks at the first vampire and says, what can I get you? The vampire says, you know, the first one says, a shot of blood, please. So the bartender gives him a shot of blood. And he asks the second vampire, what can I get you? And that vampire, you know, aptly replies, two shots of blood. He was the Irish vampire. So the bartender gives him his two shots. Then the bartender asks the third vampire, What can I get you? And the vampire replies, Just a cup of hot water. And the bartender is a little confused while, you know, he's pouring her drink. And he hands it to the vampire and says, Do you, do you mind me asking why a vampire like you is ordering hot water? To where the vampire pulls a tampon out of her pocket and says, I'm having tea. I have no words. Come on, it was a human interest story. I have no words. I thought it was kind of fitting. Folks, this is why we don't let Patrick drink. <laughs> I was a second vampire in that scenario. Oh, Lord have mercy. Hey, I hope you're enjoying the Grimdark Live experience and the show. If you want to support the show, please like and subscribe on YouTube and follow us on our podcast. This way, you'll be alerted when we post new content. If you'd like to support Grimdark Live further, head over to GrimdarkLive.com, get a t-shirt, dice, or there's Patreon, which makes our show possible. Keeps our mics on and the lights buzzing. Big thanks to everyone, past, present, and future, who have supported Grimdark Live. We do this because of all of you, and of course, we will continue doing this for as long as we can. Okay. You guys ready for more Grimdark Live? Let's get back to the show. All right, so here here we go, folks. So, Steve, let's get into this, man. Now that I've now that I've warned warned uh, warmed everything up, and uh, we're we're ready to go. So, um, the Death Faction, Soul Blight Vampires. In, in the recent Rumor Engine uh, pick that obviously you guys all saw at the top of the show, it, it got Steve and I thinking uh, of the hopes and possibility of vampires coming out this year. Steve, I'm going to wind you up here, buddy. Let, let's hear your thoughts on this one, on vampires, the possibility of them coming out this year. I think, I think that, well, I'm going to tell you my prediction right now. Do it. Um Halloween falls on a Saturday this year. There cannot be a more perfect day for Games Workshop to release a death faction than on Halloween. So my prediction is that Soul Blight, the book, will be released on Halloween this year. I love I, it. I am, I am calling that as an official prediction. I love it. The pre-order will be, of course, the week before. And the army will be released ceremoniously on Halloween. And I think they, they, to miss that opportunity to release a death army on Halloween, which happens to fall on a Saturday this year. Um, I just don't think GW is going to miss that opportunity. Yeah. I, I really don't. 
Um, and I'm and I'm calling it. I think Soul Blight's coming out on Halloween Day. All right, it's being released into stores. You'll have it in your sweaty palms on Halloween Day. So, folks, I'm gonna I'm gonna rehash this. This is going on the board here, Steve. So, in the beginning, the end of last year, Steve said the top army for this year was going to be a version of the Dark Elves. We called it the Malarian Army. Mm-hmm. So, I'm also going to put down here Halloween Soul Blight or some variation of the vampires. We're going to be coming out. So, there it is, folks. Yep, it's official now, man. It's on the grim dark board, but you know I, I got to tell you, you know, you've got me excited about this army, and I'm not even—I don't even play the army, or wouldn't even have thought about playing playing it. But but really, if you think about it, since about 2018, and I'm going to kind of go backwards here a little bit, Steve, before we really get into—we're just warming up here on the uh, on the cold death faction here. But since about 2018, I've heard that Soul Blight from different various people that are, that are in the community that they're not, they're not competitive after the release of the legions of Nagash book, which also occurred in 2018. So when somebody says to you right now in today's version of the game, soul blight, whether it be the legion of blood or whatever it is, they're not competitive. What, what are your thoughts on the army, the state of the army now? Would you agree um, with that statement or refute it? Or what would your thoughts be? What would your sentiments be? Okay. I reject that notion. I think that soul blight can be um, very effective with, Prince Bordry and a zombie dragon lord who is also ethereal. Um, and then, of course, you just take the trash troops to keep the enemy busy until you slaughter everything with your two vampire lords. No, I think Soul Blight can be a very effective army right now. Um, I think what is holding people back is the fact that people know Soul Blight are coming. Uh, there's no way on God's green earth I would invest in a Soul Blight army right now because I know they're getting all new models. I know they're getting a, I get I know they're getting a book. I know they're getting all new models. It is going to be a, a huge release for death. Um, I would never buy those black knights. Those, no offense to the artist, but those crappy looking. Um, I got blood agree. knights. I got yeah, the blood knights. Yeah, no, the blood there's knights. no way in hell I'm going to buy those right now because I know that something better is coming. So it's a dead faction right now. No pun intended. It's yeah. a dead faction right now. <laughs> Because people are waiting and and the hardcore vampire guys like me, you know, especially the guys that played it back in sixth, seventh and eighth edition, um, we're waiting, you know, we're just waiting right now to see what they come out with. And when I saw that, um, you know, that teaser photo, that's it. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, that's it. That, that is soul blight and they're coming and I think they're coming on Halloween and, um, what I wanted to talk about tonight is our impression of vampires. And when we, when we look at them culturally, you know, how do we think of them? And, you know, when you do think about vampires, you know, culturally, our love of vampires comes from Hollywood. No doubt about it. Of course. Their look, their traits, pretty much all of what we know comes from movies. Now, what's important to understand here, folks, is that, vampires and what they are to us is generational to a kid growing up you know in the 1970s and 80s there are five films in my opinion that define what a vampire is to the kids of our generation those movies would be nosferatu dracula Mm -hmm. salem's lot fright night and lost boys If you were to talk to anybody in their 40s or 50s, those are the five movies that they're going to tell you define the generation. And I can tell you folks that 
no vampire movie had more profound influence on a generation than the made-for-TV movie Salem's Lot. Yeah, yeah. I was just um, going to say, if I can interject, that there's a scene in that movie where the vampires are coming through a crawl space. Yes. Oh, uh, it's a cla- it is the classic. And the scene kid the just isn't turning around fast enough. He's he's staring at what's happening, and, and and yeah, that I mean, you know, you know, it's fun. You're absolutely right. I'm gonna I'm gonna let you keep going, but I I would say that that scene in Salem's Lot is it just sticks with you years after you've seen it but anyway you know the yeah it is it is classically what we think of when we play you know when we think of vampires i mean when that move when that movie came out now and i'm taking a little bit of a of a turn towards albuquerque here but i'm going to wind this conversation back around to to prove a point or to make a point you know that movie when it first came out was a two episode event and oddly enough it came out after halloween that year it came out in november of 1979 but the next year that movie played uh, the entire two-part miniseries on Halloween night. And I can tell you that every single kid in the neighborhood thought uh, that was like the coolest thing ever. We all went out trick-or-treating. We came back and we, and we were watching that movie. As a matter of fact, we watched, I remember the big group we had. I was with my cousins, a couple of my buddies. We were all watching that movie together and it scared the crap out of us because the vampire in the movie never speaks. Barlow yeah. never speaks in the entire movie. He is a Nosferatu styled vampire. Now that is not the way Stephen King wrote that book. He did not write, uh, Barlow actually had uh, a speaking parts all throughout the book. Interesting. In the I actually have never read the book. Yeah, well, the, the book is infinitely different than the movie, but the movie was better received because the Nosferatu version of that vampire, that vampire that never talked, but let Straker talk for him. And Straker, of course, is the guy in the, the human servant in the movie that basically gets him into America um, because he was coming from overseas. But my point goes back to this. And I know we're talking about movies here, but I'm going to get back to the point here. You know, what may seem basic or lame by today's standards, you know, a kid looking at Salem's lot today may look at that and say, Oh, well, that's, you know, that's not scary or whatever, because they've seen, you know, blood and guts all over. But what's important to understand is when you look at this, when you look at this movie, it terrified a generation of kids. That was what a vampire was to us. This feral creature hiding in the night, you know, uh, jumping out of a shadow and getting us. Whenever we played D&D or celebrated Halloween, that movie was the vampire movie for my generation. Even to this day, no Halloween has ever passed by where I have not watched that movie from start to finish. It left an indelible mark on me and how I view vampires. Now, conversely, when you're talking about this current generation, that is not their view of vampires. You and I grew up with classic vampires, the Karstein kind of vampire. Yeah. These kids have grown up, and by kids, I mean, you know, people who are in their late teens, you know, early 20s, maybe even into their early 30s. These are the guys that grew up with the Underworld movies. These are the gals that grew up with Twilight. So their view of vampires is infinitely different than how our vampire, how we view vampires from our generation. And I think it's important to note that, you know, why the hell did I go off in this tangent about vampire movies? 
because, <clears throat> pardon me, how we see vampires and how we want them to look is inevitably going to be different based on our generational point of view. So if you think about it, <clears throat> if you have a true meshing of classic gothic vampires with this more modern kind of view of vampires, I think that that design will appeal to all death players. For me, this army will be, I mean, honestly, it'll be the end of a long journey from the days of 8th edition. You know, its success as an army is deeply personal to me, being a fan of gothic horror. There is nothing that terrifies me more than that classic gothic view of that feral, demonic-looking vampire from Salem's Lot. I mean, that to me is a vampire. That to me is what terrifies me. And for a long time, GW used that, um, they used that aesthetic. That was the aesthetic of their vampires. But what was great about GW is that they appealed to all of the different types of, of death fans right. or vampire fans, I should say. Right. You had the Necrarch vampires, which were more wizard-like. You had the Karstein vampires, which were your classic vampires. You had your blood dragons, which were your warrior vampires, like from the movie Dracula. The yeah, well, Bram Stoker's Dracula and, and yeah, the, actual, exactly. the actual, well, you know, you yeah. know what's ironic is, is that was an actual religious order. Yes. The order of the yeah, dragon. the order of Draconis, yeah. Right. Um, the Strigoi, well, we already have Strigoi, that's your flesh eater courts. And then, of course, you have the Lamian vampires, which is your more traditional female vampire army. Back in 6th edition, I believe they would strike first. Uh, they were all speed. And what was fun is that back in the day, I was able to, I played all these bloodlines. I played at, at different times. And all I had to do was switch out the vampire because the army could relatively stay the same. And so it made playing all of the old classic bloodlines um, a lot of fun. You know, you could switch up your vampire army just by switching the vampire because it changed the actual way that the vampire army worked. And I think in the fluff, you know, in terms of the greater ongoing story, vampires would never, and I don't care how long you tell me you've been playing vampires, I am telling you now, as a 25-year veteran of, the, of death, it, there is no way, based on their fluff and their lore, that vampires would ever acquiesce to Nagash. Never. Right. For a, for a moment to survive, yes. But they would constantly be looking for a way to free themselves from his grasp. They are narcissists on steroids. Their arrogance is unmatched even by Slanesh standards, you know. I'm hoping this book will begin the civil war that I think. Is oh, coming, I see. And that vampires don't follow him and they, but they become the leaders that they truly should be. So I, I love, I love what you just said, man. I mean, it, it, it flushed so many memories, you know, through, through my mind. I mean, but we, I think you make a good point. I mean, we talk about the movies, the older vampire movies, the Nosferatu, the, the Lost Boys, Salem's Lot, Dracula. And I would even hard, I would even hearken to say that the, the, the Keanu Reeves Dracula even falls into that, you know, that yeah, category. Yeah, it wasn't a bad version. It's it, not it, a personal. It's it's, it's not, not but at least it tried to capture the essence of Bram Stoker as, as much as what Bela Lugosi tried to do. It did. 
and I think they tried to mesh a little bit of Vlad uh, Dracula, who was a real person, by the way. Right. Uh, a lot of people don't understand that. The Dracula was actually a real person. Right. And um, his name itself, M- M- Dracula, in Romanian means Order of the Dragon. That, that, that is, it was a holy order, as you stated correctly. Right. Um, and they were um, fighting against the, the hordes um, from the Middle East that were coming into Europe and trying to basically uh, take over. Right. Yeah. I mean, so, and, yeah. And I, and I think but, I think when you when you when you make that comparison again, when, when you make that comparison between, um, you know, the movies we just mentioned that that are really from from more of our, our type of genre of vampires. I think once you start getting into the underworlds or the interview with a vampire type movies, or you start getting away from, you see, I, I think what I think what 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 movies like the newer um, versions of of the vampire movies, um, you know, like like we talked about the you know the one with Rose Hathaway, what's what's that one? Uh, anyway, the 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 the, the, the you know, Buffy the Vampire Slayer and, and the Underworlds vampires, where you can still have sympathy for them, like you could in, say, Lost Boys. But you, but they, there was an essence of of evil that was there with with those vampires versus, I think, the newer genre of vampires. You know, you were never really going to be friends with any of those other vampires from Salem's Lot or Nosferatu. So what? No, I think and I've, that is that is what and it's important that you said that because that is what draws the distinction between generations. Notice that in the older generations, vampires were truly the monsters that they are. There's nothing sympathetic about them. They are a corpse that is uh, basically being controlled by a demon. Well, that that that's exactly right. And and so whereas modern vampires are more sympathetic, you have the Edward Cullen vampire. You know the romantic, the romanticized vampire. Right. Right. And that's dramatically different from the vampires of our generation. Right. And, and, and none of our vampires sparkled in the sun, but you know, they, they, they burst into flames, but no, I guess go let's rear this back here because I think, I think you're making a very interesting point and I just want to tie it down because you, you're descri- I mean, you're a hard act to follow when it comes to the vampire topic, man. You, you, you really, you really capture the imagination of it. But when we do talk about the game here of age of Sigmar, and we talk about the essence of what draws us in to recognize a vampire, you know, and that's that's in our in our movies. So for like for guys like us, when we are looking at Nosferatu, Lost Boys, Salem's Lot, or or either Dracula movie versus on the other side, um, Twilight, Underworlds, Interview with a Vampire, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, th- thirty those days kind of, of night, yeah, yeah th- thirty days of night, exactly. Do you think what they're going to do is they're going to capture the essence of both sides of the fence, as it were, and probably try to get those different views of vampires that will either affect this army somehow or design this yes. army somehow. Okay. All I, right. I think that's exactly what they're going to do. The bloodlines, I believe, are going to come back. Um, they were a very important part of vampires in many of the editions, uh, in sixth, seventh, and eighth editions. Right. The bloodline determined your army. That's true. It determined I remember how that. your army yeah. would be designed. Yeah. If you recall back in the day when I had a vampire army, I had my vampire on foot, but he was walking with 30 ghouls, or excuse me, 80 ghouls. Right. Do you remember yeah. that big that big unit I had? Yeah. And then I yeah. also had um and then I also had a uh, a Karstein version of of uh vampire counts where I had them all on uh horseback. They were all on um 
on uh, nightmares, sure. on nightmare steeds, right? You know, the, with the Black Knights. So I've had so many different versions of this army, but that's one of the great things about Soulblight is that if they create this army correctly and they do go back to the bloodlines and they give them di- different traits and features and they appeal to all the different fan bases of vampires because not everyone looks at vampires the same way as i stated earlier you know a a a young gal who's you know playing age of sigmar and she's 25 years old she grew up probably with the uh underworld's vision of vampires or twilight right that's what she sees as a vampire guys like us when we, you know, when we play vampire counts, we're thinking of the Nosferatu, of the Karstein vampire, right. of that that evil vampire, not the sympathetic vampire. Okay, Big difference. So let me let me throw this at you because I, th- I think we've set the table pretty well for th- how we view the, the the vampires, where they came from, what what the overall. Um, grasped concept that could draw to the the game now and and for the future. So. Let's take a little bit of a step backwards here, you know, and, and explain to everybody that's listening, what is the lore behind the Soulblight vampires in Age of Sigmar? I mean, we, we he, I'll, I'll set it up. I, I know that, or at least I think I know, and correct me if I'm wrong, that all vampires can trace their lineage back to Neferata, correct? She is the queen of the vampires. Okay. All right. Okay. Yes. She was the original vampire back in a city-state called Lamia back in the old world. And from her bloodline came all of the vampire bloodlines. And basically what they did is vampires left Lamia when it fell um, and they fled off into the countryside and eventually they became their own factions. Uh, The Karsteins were your classic vampire. They were the vampires. They they were aristocratic, arrogant. Um, They were the ones that would have like a dining party you know, where it would be, you know, a ballroom loaded with other vampires and stuff and have human servants there to, you know, to drink from. And then you had the blood warrior vampires, you know, the blood dragons who could care less about that kind of crap. They were into war and fighting. They were basically like a corn version of the vampires, you know, but they were noble. They had, they had standards, you know, they were, they had a warrior's code. Um, the Lamians were all about deception and duplicity and, and, and trickery and, you know, in, infesting a court, you know, infiltrating a court and then infesting it with vampire thralls, you know, and eventually taking over the kingdom. So they all had they all had something about them that made them appealing. And, you you know, you as the player, you had the option, you know, you could play that, you know, that kind of queen vampire like the Lamians or you could play the Karsteins, you know, your classic Dracula vampire. There's so many, but in the world of AOS, it's kind of ambiguous right now because we, we know, we know about the history of Manfred. We know about the history of Neferata, but we don't know about vampires in general. We've, we've gotten snippets from different books that they've put out, but we have never We've never really been introduced to them as a faction. And that's what I think is going to be so well received uh, when they do come out, because we're finally going to be introduced to who they are as a group, not as not as these individual personalities. Yeah. And and before we kind of get into their 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 topic here or their 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 position and where they are in the Legions of Nagash book, I got to tell you, I love the idea of an elite vampire list. 
Um, but you know, yeah, there, there's, the there's some things yeah. exactly, but there's some things I think that are concerning that I think are still going to carry over into the game, even when they get their new book, you know, with, with the meta hordes are still, you still see that that's somewhat the way to go. And I think there might be a game for elite vampire lists. You know, some, some new scenarios have shorter distances between deployment zones, for instance, at, you know, say 18 inches that along with some of the tweaks to shooting and the, the buffs to casters in general might open up a space for some smart cookies to, to hit gold with a really nice vampire list. And this is kind of why I think that we're ripe, you know, for, uh, what, what I agree with you, Steve, I, I, I do, I think we're, we're getting one. And my thoughts on why practically the vampires will be getting their own book is let's, let's look at this thing. Let, let's boil all the water out of the pot here. As we say all the time on the show, Nagash, Archon, and the Morgasts are pretty much regaled to an Osiarch's army. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know they're in Legions of Nagash, and I know that Nagash is, you know, kind of found all over the place. But, you know, they're pretty much regaled to the Osiarchs. Uh, Legions of Nagash now, Steve, and this is my thought, is kind of like a donor faction for now. It, it gave life to the Osiarchs and Nighthaunt and lost a lot of models. And albeit, it's a, it's a full-fledged faction with, with with a battle tome, Nagash and Ghosts, but the future really is is kind of, I think I think the writing on the wall is 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 already written for the for the Legion of Nagash book. You don't see anybody playing them, and you've said that a hundred times. Yeah, but and that's why I think we're we're getting ready to have this, you know, the rumor engine and everything. I think we are ready to have that vampire book finally released. Yeah, it's coming. Uh, I don't have any doubt that it's coming, and it has to come because they are the last part of the death faction that we still don't know enough about. Right. And and they will round out the death faction quite well, actually. Uh, how their story goes is important to me. Because okay. to me, the game is, you know, I've played so many games of Warhammer that I, you know, I could puke. Um, so to me, what impresses me now at this point in time in my life is the models. I want a beautiful army to play with. I want a really cool looking vampire army to play with. I want that elite army. I don't even care if it's viable or if it's even good. Okay. If it, if it looks cool on the table, I'm going to be playing it. The rule of cool. You know, if they make a vampire knight army and it just looks cool with big groups of knights, that's what I'm going with. Okay. Yeah. Of course, you know, you know that that's that's still kind of the way you see a lot of the the soul blight units or armies being played now. You know, e- even even still kind of tucked in that old 2018 Legions in the Gosh book. Wait a minute. What the hell is that? What's going on? And now, it's time for that part of the show where we present the rules from hell. <laughs> Yes, that's right, Grimdark Goons. It's time for the Rules from Hell, where we present the game rules from the past or present of the Warhammer worlds that just sucked. Here it is, gang, a Warhammer Rules from Hell. This one is from the early days of Age of Sigmar. It's called One Bat Short of a Belfry. This one is fitting considering the topic here on Grimdark Live. Conrad Karstein is a violent lunatic, and his temper does little to help his stretched sanity. If, during your hero phase, you talk to the model of Conrad von Karstein, 
you can re-roll all hit rolls of one for him until your next hero phase. If the model of Conrad von Karstein talks back to you, re-roll all failed hit rolls instead. Conrad von Karstein never made it into the Legions of Nagash book or into the current edition of this game. And I'm really glad a stake was put into this ridiculous rule. That is definitely a rule from hell. And now you know a rule from hell. <laughs> All right, let's get back to the show. So now, now let's let's talk about two of the two of the current ways you can play a vampire army out of the Legions of Nagash book. There's really really only two ways that I've seen them played, and that's Soul Blight and Legions of Blood. Correct? Uh, yeah, that's what I would go with. Okay. One of the two. So let's start with Soul Blight. I mean, Soul Blight can be run. You know, you got your vampire, your your vargeist, you got your blood knights, your bats, your bat swarms. Um, or a, a more competitive army, as, as we mentioned, would be a Legion of Blood, I think, you know, basically Soul Blight without Blood Knights as battle line. But we'll, we'll get into what that is. Now, you're thinking your favor would probably be more towards the Soul Blight, as far as a, um, um, a vampire list. Yeah, well, it depends. I really don't... If I were going to play with the models that are available right now, I would probably go with um, the Vargeists. And I would go with like a whole flying vampire theme. Oh, I see. Now I can tell you that that would only that would only be temporarily okay. uh, temporary. I would um, when the new Soulblight book comes out, I'm probably going to be looking more towards the Blood Knights. You know, I I, I that's more my style. Okay, you know that martial kind of yeah, vampire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree with you, and that's kind of why I, I was looking at the Soulblight a little bit. You know, kind of just thinking about this army because you know I'm not a I don't. I don't. I play against death quite a bit, but I really don't play any death armies, and that's why I was kind of leaning towards the Legion of Blood. And and in my thought is, it's a force that makes up some of the really the, in the way that I look at it, some of the most powerful heroes in the game. Uh, it makes them even deadlier, as well as is I think you know a pretty savage. You know this. I, I think you can take this this named character, um, Prince Vordry. Yeah, you can take Vordry in this list, and there's a couple of things that that. Um, I guess their their abilities w- within the Legion of Blood that um, that make them pretty pretty a pretty nasty bit of business. So um, I, I would think that if I if I had to run a vampire list now, um, I would um, I would um, I would probably take them in the Legion of Blood because I, I think I think what that does is it's most of the elite units in the legions of nagash book and and it, it makes particular use of the soul blight units as well so that that's kind of where i was you know in a, in kind of a botched way the way <laughs> where i was going with that yeah i mean i think that that's um that's a great list as a matter of fact i thought i read somewhere that somebody out there in the ether had um had designed a pretty good uh vampire list and they were taking it to tournaments and they were uh they were, they they were, were kicking some serious butt yeah yeah well i mean there's so many things and I'm, i won't we won't really get into it right now but i mean there's so many things in in the book like you know favored retainers you know that um, um well the best ability they have right now is the ability of the vampire on foot he can actually make your death units have plus one attack oh okay. so if you take a vampire in your army 
as an ally. Like, yeah, I um, if your if your army can take allies, okay, because I know OCRs can't, right? But I mean, if you were to take him in like an army with Morgasts, if you had two vampires, they could sit, they could sit there and go, or just one vampire if you had enough command points and go, extra attack, extra attack. My God, your your Morgasts could. Uh, with the grand host of Nagash ability, they could have like five, six attacks. Right. You know, the, the one ability that comes to mind that always cracks me up is the one that you can put on your vampire lord. It's the it's the ring of, of dominion, I believe, or ring of domination or dominion. I can't remember what it is. But it, this ring allows you to attack with one of your enemy's weapons, meaning you, you'll be able to turn uh, the strength of your opponent's most powerful weapon against them. And, and, yeah, now uh, try to imagine you're fighting Scarbrand. Exactly. That, that's my, that's my whole point. Axe. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it, it, there, there's so many tricks that, so let's get into this. I mean, I, I, now let's get to the part that, um, that I think we wanted to talk about. I mean, we've, I think we've kind of talked about vampires, their lore, popular culture. We've kind of wrung out the old dish rag on the legions of Nagash and, and the stance of that book now, as far as, um, where things are at from a soul blight. Yeah. Point it's of view. an obsolete book in yeah. my opinion. So, Let's get in and talk a little bit about our hope for a Soul Blight book. So, so Steve, what would you like to see in a Soul Blight book? I want to see vampire infantry like thralls. Oh, I, see. I want okay. to see. So, get away I want from to see zombies. human thralls. I want to see like human servants of vampires, almost like they had in Sylvania back in um, Sixth Edition, where um, some people would take um, humans. Like the Sylvania had actually human troops that served vampires. Um, I would I want to see obviously the Blood Knights come back, and I want them to actually be Blood Knights and and be strong enough and feared again. I want zombie dragons, real zombie dragons, not terror geists that are trying to be zombie dragons. Right. I I want a whole new product line. Most most importantly, though, I want I want the variety of vampires to be the same as it was in sixth edition where I have, where you have different bloodlines, different abilities and, and based upon the type of vampire you play will determine the type of army you build. I think that was a lot of fun back in sixth edition. I played vampires all through sixth edition. And I can tell you that they're one of the most exciting armies to play. That, and they're and they're just devastating on the battlefield. At least they were back, you know, when when they were an actual, you know, viable army. Sure. Now I know people out there are saying, "Well, Prince Bordry, you know, with another zombie dragon vampire lord, can be awesome." Yeah, it can, but it's not really vampires until they come out with a soul blight book. It's not vampires. You're just part of Nagash's little grand host, which to me takes all takes all the fun and flavor out of them. Well, That's would, why we'll play them until the book comes out. Would you be satisfied if they just, in a, in a way, kind of remade the vampire counts from 8th edition? Uh, oh, I'd be fine with that. I mean, uh, vampires were devastating in, in 7th and 8th edition. Um, yeah, I mean, I just want to see them go back to bloodlines. I want to see them go back and make vampires what they were. Yeah. You know, th- they used to be a feared faction. And now it's like, you know, somebody says, oh, I'm playing, you know, vampires. And you're like, oh, okay, great. Nobody cares. Yeah, I mean, they're just part of a book right now that's obsolete. That well, that's very true. Yeah, they're 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 tucked in a book that I think is being yeah. used to launch other books. And 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 look, I, my favorite currently right now, and this is just my opinion of all the death books that have really kind of launched out of Legions and Nagash is Night Haunt. 
Um, I, I love everything about that that army. I love the the concept, the lore, the, the story behind Lady Orlinder is just captivating. So, um, which we have a we have a Monster Monday coming up on her, by the way, little FYI. So, um, but yeah, I I think that you're going to see the end of Legions of Nagash, and and I I, I think in my opinion. Um, we're going to have in the future one army that really fits thematically the concept of, of, of vampires and Age of Sigmar and kind of what we talked about here as far as bringing things in as far as popular culture that that also fits the theme of models such as Manfred and Neferata. Um, I would think in my mind it, it they could just remake the vampire counts, the, the zombie skeletons themed, you know, maintaining the... You know the most you know dated units for 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 new ones obviously more akin to the theme of of blood related stuff and and um or, you know aristocracy related stuff that that are all throughout the vampires i think if they 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 pumped up the lore a little bit gave us some new models a new line um and i like your idea of throwing in like some human thralls or you know things like that i think that that's just i think that i think you'd you'd have to do that you know as well as yeah, the zombies I mean, and everything yeah. else I, I see this, uh, there's going to be some surprises. Like, um, you're going to see different kinds of wolves. I think like they're going to make a new kind nice. of dire wolf, like big ones, like real dire wolves, not the pound puppies that they used to have. Right. Um, and I, and I think that they're going to go with that wolf bat kind of primal, you know, animal like theme to them. And I think that'll sell. I mean, people want classic vampires. They want the wolves, the bats. They want things. They want the army to look like a Halloween army. Yeah. That is what they should be. And I know Forge World kind of has the market cornered and have kind of ruined the skin wolves, but I would love, I would play this army in a heartbeat if they had werewolves in it. Oh, if they ever do make a werewolf army, it will be, it, it will be, it will explode on release day. Yeah. You will not find a single book model or war scroll card in the store. That'll I, be as popular as Soulblight's gonna be like that. I guarantee if it was a wolf is a werewolf army, that that's personally, folks, my, my favorite, you know, uh monster. Uh I would I would be all over that. in a heartbeat. Um all over that. It's it's a distinct possibility, and I think that that would be uh, a cool topic of conversation, maybe for another show. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I thought, you know what, this vampire one, Steve. Bravo, man! Your 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 passion and your enthusiasm for it is a, is a hard act to follow, man. But yeah, it, wait till it comes out. Yeah, no, I I know we're we're gonna have to sedate you pretty heavily. Um, <laughs> yes, you will. Yeah, exactly. Yes, you will. Well, good stuff, man. Well, let's uh, let's keep rolling, man. We got the question of the day coming up. Hey, gang! I really hope you're enjoying the Grimdark Live show so far. Thanks for being with us. But before we get to the question of the day, I want to ask you to head over to GrimdarkLive.com to enter the Nerd Bunker by becoming a supporter of the show on Patreon. There are six different levels to fit the support you may be interested in, and all provide special benefits and services to our members. So please head over to GrimdarkLive.com and become a patron of the show. And while you're on GrimdarkLive.com, you should know that Grimdark Live isn't just there for entertainment. We're a full-time miniatures assembly and painting service. We have three different levels that we currently paint to, and we provide free quotes. So let us know if you have something you need painted, and we'll get it done for you. And if Patreon or painting isn't something you're ready to do at this time, we totally understand. And thank you for spending time with us here on Grimdark Live. So with that said, let's get to the question of the day.
Here it is. Uh, Steve, you ready for the question of the day? Roll. So here it is. Will factions begin to stabilize after this year, or will we see more new armies instead of updated books? I think you're going to see a few new armies, and I think that the only... I don't think you're going to see as many books coming out anymore. I think that they've pretty much established the universe. And you have to remember, if just from a business point of view, they can't, they, there's only so much room they can put on a shelf, you know, so much stuff that they can put on their shelves in their stores. So I can't see them going hog wild, you know, and, and creating like, you know, tons of new armies. I think what they're going to do is they're going to release a few new armies just to keep, you know, the, the flavor of the you know the hobby fresh and stuff but i think that the majority will probably be a rehashed book here and there but i think that their main focus going into probably oh, i would say end of next year maybe middle of next year you're going to start seeing the 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 foreshadowing of aos3 yeah yeah and I, so I, agree. I think they're going to slow down with the books to kind of catch up yeah, I, I would hope that um, they would do more to stabilize the factions. I, th I think the, I think the factions are... They need to. Yeah, and I would almost like to see more lore. You know, give, give me something else yes. to read while I'm on an airplane or, or I'm yes. sitting on my couch or something like that. I think we're okay with... You know, I, I one thing I, I do recall and I really enjoyed about Warhammer Fantasy Battles was they kind of had that, that set piece, that set unwritten rule that every every battle tome was going to last four to five years. And, and that's yeah, I don't just think the that's viable in this new age. I think that people have the attention span of a, of a gnat and well, yeah. th they're on an army for six months and then they want to be on another army. It's just the nature of the beast nowadays. Yeah. They, that, that model, that business model, I just don't even think is viable anymore. I liked it because you were able to immerse yourself. Well, you know, that's a good point because you remember on the show when, when we kind of asked you know the, the the greater community and even even all of us on the show. I think I think Randy, the nicest guy in tabletop wargaming, I think he was on the show at that time, and we asked, you know, could you pick one army <laughs> to play between generals' handbooks? And you know, even Randy, again, one of the nicest guys ever, said, "Hell no." <laughs> yeah. You know, he wouldn't even think about playing. I mean, when I think about it, it's tough to do. Like I've asked my son Evan, would could you play one army? And only one army between generals' handbooks. He looked at me like I had lobsters crawling out of my ears. Yeah, because I think that most people, and we've talked about this before, most people should have uh, two armies. You should have two armies that you that you have that you can alternate between. That's why when the vampires come out, I'll I'll be in you know seventh heaven. I'll have my trolls and my vampires, and if I right. get bored of one, I can play the other. And, yeah, and that's a that's a big reason why Randy's a polygamist. You know, he he goes between Please one to the other. Stop. What I just I thought it was I thought it was fitting the way that we could tie that in there like that. Good lord! I know you know, and, and he gets offended by that, and so does his wife, and so does his other wife, and so does his other wife. They all get pretty upset. So I'm not going <laughs> to talk about that anymore. I think he's finally out of Utah. Yeah, Spanish Fork, Utah. All right, no. So here, so let's let's get back to this. So, yeah, I I would like to see them stabilize and 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 really kind of pump out more of the lore. I think we're okay right now uh, with books. I think I think like I said, if they ended it with the vampires, Soul Blight, I'd be I'd be happy as a madman with that. Oh, absolutely, God! I, 
believe me. If I get the vampires, I'll be good for a year. Yeah. So I'm going to throw this out there to everyone listening. So here's a question to all of you folks listening right now. Here's your question of the day. Could you play one army between General's handbooks and only one army? And if not, could you play two? How about that? And what would those armies be? Let us know. Leave those in the show notes below and, and, and let us know what, what that would be. Would it be, could you play one or two armies and only one or two armies? You can hobby or paint and build whatever you want, but could you only play those one or two armies between General's handbooks? It's, a, it's an interesting point, I think. We'll see. All right. Well, good show today, man. We've uh, we covered a lot. Between the yeah, news, really the rumor engine, you're and I gotta tip my hat to you, buddy. Uh, way to go on uh, on the vampires. I mean that that's a topic I could listen to you talk about for hours. Your your passion behind it, man. Good stuff. Yeah, wait till the wait till the Halloween show. <laughs> there you go, man. Um, boy, I can't I can't wait to show you what my costume's gonna be. Oh, good lord! All right, so here we are, man. We're at the closing thoughts for today's show, and. Uh, so here we go. Closing thoughts. So at the end of, of every show, we, we, we try to close it with some inspiration, encouragement, or even, you know, motivation in the form of a closing thought. And, and we've actually gotten some compliments on this segment. And, and I want to thank you people out there that have had so many kind words about this goofy little piece at the, at the end of this goofy little show. And I, I think in this pandemic, for some reason, the closing thoughts have resonated with some and, and, and been important to some folks. These closing thoughts are a little something that all of us can can take with us between Thursdays. You know, this pandemic has helped me find out what friendship really means. It's taught me the value of time. I know that time is a glutton that eats up life. And we say we don't have time to do this or time to do that. You know, there's there's plenty of time. The trick is to apply it. Our greatest disease in the world today is procrastination. You know, this pandemic has all but given us the reason to rid ourselves of procrastination and, and finish those armies or terrain or, or you know, that, that have basically just been sitting around staring at us since last November. You know, when this pandemic is over, will all the gratification of, of what you've accomplished be more powerful than the excuse you'll you'll use of why you accomplish nothing. Remember to appreciate what you have when this is all done. Be nice to everyone and be inspiring. Now, at this point in time during this pandemic, right now is a time to be the custodian to this community and later be the ambassador of this community and this game and this hobby. And that's my closing thoughts. Well said, my friend. You got it. Well, that's a... That is a heck of a way to close the show, man. We better uh, we better end it before uh, it, it gets really. Yeah, weirder. we better close the coffin on this one. That's hey, bump bump. He tipped the veal. Try the waitresses. He's here. He's here all week, folks. Um, yeah. Well, good stuff, man. Great job tonight, Steve. And uh, you've earned your keep, man. I think I'll have you back next week. <laughs> Gee, thanks. <laughs> all right, man. That's a wrap. Dark Live, I'd like to thank you for slumming it through another show with us for all things dice, dragons, demons, and a dwarf in the Age of Sigmar worlds. We'll be back live next Thursday, so until then, remember, roll them dice fun and fair, and don't be a freaking short pants. If you missed the live show, you can catch us again right here on the next Grimdark Live podcast.
Never fear, gang. There'll be more great content from Grimdark Live throughout the week with Monster Mondays, Table War Tuesdays, Warhammer Wednesdays, Grimdark Grudge Matches, and a ton more. So stay tuned and stay grim. All you dice-chucking, glue-sniffing gamer games, you're all awesome. Looks like I picked the wrong week to stop sniffing glue. Remember, embrace the main message here from Grimdark Live, and that's the social contract we have between gamers and the commitment we have to each other and this community. We're only as good as our last game. Check us out at GrimdarkLive.com. Don't forget to give our channel a like or subscribe if you haven't already done so. So long, Grimdark Goons. Until next time, may the dice gods bless you and your sweaty palms.